Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, my first guest this morning is Jimmy Sheehan from Contracting Plus, and he joins me to highlight the vital role which professional contractors are playing in assisting company growth. Jimmy, we'll be discussing the findings of recent research which Contracting Plus conducted in conjunction with the Trinity Business School about the project economy. But first, I'd like to delve into your own background. So I'm, uh, I'm an accountant by qualification, Carl, but I've always been interested in the, the business growth and the building relationship side of things. Uh, I actually have roots in, in Wexford. My dad is an escorty man. I still have family there. Um, and it was my granddad, uh, also uh, Jimmy Sheehan, who, who gave me my first lesson in business. So I wasn't, I was, I was too young at the time to realise that that's what it was. Um, I, I've had a, my own accountancy practice. Uh, I sold that successfully. Uh, and three years ago, I joined um, Contracting Plus, who provide limited company structures to uh, independent consultants and professional contractors. And Jimmy, I'm intrigued. What was that first piece of business advice that you got from your grandfather back then? <laughs> he had a shop in Enniscorthy and he used to walk out onto the shop floor a couple of times during the day to, um, to, to, to just survey what was going on. Uh, and, and one day I was beside him, I was probably seven or eight years of age and there was a lady passing him and he had lots of lovely kind words to say for her, nothing specific. Uh, but as she walked away in towards the tills, he shouted up to whoever was on the till, and um, he said, look, look after Mrs. Walsh there for me. And, uh, and that essentially meant to give her a little bit of a discount uh, when I asked him what that actually meant. And, <laughs> and, 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 I, and later on in life, I, I said, uh, so why, why, did you, why did you take the money off? Like, how do you make the money? And he says to me, look, you always, you always add it on to take it off again. But what that came to me was, look, I, I don't agree with his policy on discounting. I think if you're, if you're lowering your prices, you should be taking some of your service away because, it, you know, you can't stand over your price if you subsequently lower it, I believe. But what it, what it does say is it says, look, know your customer, know what they want, know what they appreciate, and then give, it, give them that in spades. So, Jimmy, tell us how the gap in the market was identified for Contracting Plus to fill. The company was founded by a gentleman called Michael Deneen, who's our chairman today, almost 20 years ago. Uh, and Michael saw a gap in the market. He saw these, these companies using um, high-value contractors. And these contractors were, were essentially self-employed. Uh, they needed to do a tax return. They needed their bookkeeping done. They needed insurance. So he, he created a solution that, that, that gave them that. And that's just grown exponentially over the last few years. And of course, Jimmy, there has been much in the news over recent years about the treatment of employees from a tax perspective, lots about the gig economy and, of course, the rules and regulations that surround self-employment. So did that have any impact or was there a need to make any changes to your business model as a result? I, I wouldn't say there was a need to make change, Carl. I mean, so often we hear in the media about the need uh, to, to almost feel like it's we're pushing people into employment. Our tax system is built around an individual being either an employee or an employer. And anything outside of that tends to cause problems. Independent contractors are self-employed. They might work for one organisation for a full year, but they're not an employee. They are a registered business, but they'll never hire employees other than themselves. They essentially create jobs for themselves by selling their skill set by the day or by the hour or by the project to companies who need what they do on an ad hoc basis. The company might need them full time today, but in 12 months they might have no need for them. So the current tax policy, you know, if, to take an example, would, would allow an employee claim the cost of travelling to a client premises from their employer. So if you had an employee, if I worked for you, Carl, and you asked me to go and see you know, client A 
uh, in the morning, uh, I would be able to jump into my car or jump on a bus or jump on a train and go and see client A. And then when I return to the office the next day, I'd be able to hand you a docket that says, look, that was the cost of my trip. And you would be allowed to reimburse that to me as an employee tax-free. And then that would be a tax-deductible cost for your business. So the employer is also allowed to claim the expenses of tax deduction. Similarly, if I'm, say, a sole trader and I'm a, you know, a plumber or a mechanical engineer, I can treat the cost of my van or my journey to, to a client premises as a business cost. But typically, an independent contractor cannot do this. Uh, now, we all know that travel from home to work is, is not a, a tax deductible expense, and that's fine. But what happens when your work is where you live and every now and again you need to go to the client premises? It might be two days a week, it might be one day a week, it might be five days a month. The plumber can still call his, his home address his business and he can still claim the expense. But the, the contractor cannot do that. Uh, so it, it kind of feels a little bit like they've been discriminated against. And it, it's actually quite a simple you know, problem to fix, I think, we, we could borrow a simple policy that's in use in other countries um, to, to fix the anomaly, and it's, it's called the tax home. And if you take Ireland as an example, the average commute in Ireland, as per the, the most recent CSO figures, is, is roughly a 30-kilometre round trip. So if you said, OK, well, if an independent contractor needed to go to a client premises, um, well, let, let them claim a cost for that trip, but no cost for the first 30 kilometres of that round trip. Everything else over that then would, would, allow them to, would allow them to recoup just the cost that they outlaid in order to, to carry out their work. And before we discuss the research, Jimmy, what precautions can a company take when they are going down the contractor route? For instance, should they only use contractors that have a limited company? Should the contractors be VAT registered? Should they be looking for tax clearance certs from contractors? Mm-hmm. Give me a flavour for some of the considerations employers should have before engaging a contractor. Yeah, that, it's a really interesting point, Carl. One of the things that we do is, is any, any, any contractor who goes out onto a client premises, we, we provide a little pack, and that pack will, will, will have the, the company details, uh, it will have the VAT registration certificate, it will have the general insurance certificate. Um, and I think they're the, they're the things that, that, that companies should look for uh, because they're also things that point to the fact that this person is a genuine self-employed contractor and out in business on their own, which is an important aspect from a revenue commissioner point of view. So how big is the professional contractor market here in Ireland? And talk us through the thinking behind partnering with the Trinity Business School to carry out research with them. Okay, so the, it's, it's very hard, and one of the reasons we do this, it's very hard to put an actual number uh, on on contractors in Ireland. Um, I, I think there's about 200,000 people recognised as self-employed in Ireland through the CSO. Uh, but what we're talking about is, is people who are what we call the solo self-employed. Uh, and I mentioned that earlier, that they won't ever hire any employees. Uh, but, but in terms of why we did the research, there, there are any number of agencies and organisations commenting and, and creating reports on all sectors of the workforce. But in all of those, there's no mention of the professional contractor, uh, who you might also refer to as the freelancer or the independent consultant or the, the self-employed. But the one thing that binds all of these people together, Carl, is they're highly skilled, they're highly educated, and they're in business for themselves, and they'll never hire any employees. But because of that fact... They're typically overlooked in any study on entrepreneurism or innovation. So talk to us about the industries and sectors that are using these professional contractors. 
the, the biggest users uh, would be the, the pharma industry. So that would take in pharma, life science and med device. And then obviously the, the IT industry, um, ICT industry, they would be the two biggest players. But also finance is a big player. You have people in project management, in engineering. Um, you have people in the, some people in the medical sector working as medical locums. Yeah, but, but what you're seeing there typically is it, it's all higher value work, value add people, high skilled people. So what were the key findings from the research that you conducted with the Trinity Business School? In the study, you know, there, there was loads of really good information that came out of this that, that, that actually paints contracting in a very positive light. The, uh, the average age, as I mentioned, was, was 46. They're highly educated. Uh, they're well paid, Carl. The average rate of pay was, was €501 Euro per day, which equates to uh, just under about €117,000 per annum. And that was across all contractors in all sectors. Um, and if you look at that compared with the average rate of employees from, again, from the CSO 27, sorry, 2018, um, contractors are paid 70, 70% more than, than employees in, in equivalent roles. Uh, but also what's important to note here, the project economy, is five times bigger than the gig economy. Uh, and that's the same in studies that have been done in the UK. So we, we need to stop, when we talk about these independent contractors and independent workers, we have to stop associating the term gig economy with bad. We have to move away from that rhetoric and, and start talking about, you know, asking a question before we ask the question, is a person uh, an employee or are they a genuine independent contractor? I think the question we must ask before that is, is this person high skilled or is this person low skilled? Because if the person is low skilled or low paid, then they're a vulnerable worker. And we have a duty to protect the vulnerable workers in our society. We have a duty to stand up and, and speak for those who haven't got the voice to speak up for themselves. But in doing that, we shouldn't, our policymakers shouldn't be creating artificial hurdles for independent contractors who have been proven to, to generate uh, employment uh, or, and, and actually entrepreneurial activity in companies. You know, we, we shouldn't stop them from doing what they're excellent at doing. And one of the key findings also from the research that you conducted with Trinity Business School was that 14% of those that were surveyed chose to go down the self-employed route because they couldn't find a full-time position in the labour market. Well, certainly that was, that was the reason uh, some of them went, went down that route. When we asked the question, or the question was asked, why did you choose contracting? Um, about 76% uh, cho- chose it voluntary. They said, I wanted to be a contractor. Uh, and 14% uh, chose the, 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 sorry, excuse me, 14% said they, they were kind of forced into it essentially. But some of those reasons were that they couldn't find work with the skills they had. And that, that almost feeds into the fact that these high-skilled individuals can't find full-time employment some of the time because companies say, look, I need you. I need you for 12 months or I need you for a project. And actually, the average contract length uh, across all the sectors was 14 months. So, but, but, but if I'm an employer and I, and I take on an employee, you know, I'm, I'm essentially giving a promise to that employee that as long as everything is going okay in the company, I'm going to keep you employed. It's not that I'm taking you on for 14 months to do a specific project and I'm going to make you redundant again. So that's why contractors are also essential in the economy. There, there is actually a, a need for them. And in fact, Professor Burke's research found that, that businesses who have at least 11% of their workforce comprised of contractors, they grow faster, they hire more employees uh, than those who engage less with contractors. 
So in order for Irish companies and global companies based here to perform at a dynamic level, they need to draw on independent contractors to access expertise beyond the confines of their employee base. This is going to allow them to to respond rapidly to changing market conditions. It allows them to manage innovation. But most importantly, by engaging these professional contractors, these firms are actually creating more employment, more net employment for Ireland's population. In the project economy, independent contractors create new jobs for employees. So they're complementers rather than competitors of employees. And Jimmy, talk to us about your outlook for the professional contracting sector over the next two to three years here in Ireland. I think it's going to be very, very good. Um, but even even turning back to the report, the, the confidence we asked uh, all the respondents and acro- across the board, uh, 64% of the, the contractors who were surveyed uh, believed that the contracting sector in Ireland would increase in the next three to five years and that the Irish economy would increase by 47% um, in in, in 2021 versus 2020. So a huge amount of confidence from the contractors themselves. I think if you look at it from just my own personal opinion, you you, you see the government are, are currently making strides in terms of flexible working for companies, and I think that's all going to play into to, to people's um, comfort with with contracting. Fifty percent of of people taking contract roles have never contracted before, typically, roughly fifty percent, and that's what we'd say. So, you know, during COVID, a lot of people were maybe a little bit hesitant to move from a secure employment role and, and try that that contract role. But we're starting to see that loosen up again now, actually, over over the last month or two, uh, and it's it's very very positive. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Jimmy Sheehan from Contracting Plus. And Jimmy certainly puts forward a compelling case for utilising the skills of professional contractors in the attainment of company growth objectives. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.